Hey, this is Todd Burns from Red Bull Music Academy. Welcome to Couch Wisdom, Red Bull Radio's podcast presenting the best of RBMA's lecture archive. For the past 20 years, Mode Selector have been a unique force in the German electronic and dance music scene as DJs, producers, promoters, and label owners. Born and raised east of Berlin, the pair struck up a friendship in the 90s that would soon lead them to the capital, thanks to radio recordings, record-digging trips, and late-night visits to clubs like Trezor. They began performing as Mode Selector in 1996 and signed to Ellen Alien's B-Pitch Control label in 2000, where their then-strange blend of techno, electronic music, and hip-hop brought them to worldwide attention. In the late 2000s, they set up their own labels, Monkey Town and 50 Weapons, giving space to upcoming producers and fellow weirdos alongside their own always dance floor ready productions and collaborations. Outside the studio, they're best known for entertaining DJ sets and impressive audio-visual live shows. In this lecture at the 2010 Red Bull Music Academy in London, they bring the same anarchic disdain and chaos as they're known to in their live sets while discussing everything from the fall of the Berlin Wall and German record store Hardwax to Moderat, their collaboration with Apparat. If you want to learn more about the Academy, please stay tuned after the lecture. For now, enjoy this bit of couch wisdom. It's going to be the afternoon preving session, and it's going to be courtesy of Chari and Gannot. Hello. Hello. Who are also known to some of you by the name of Mode Selector. So please join your hands and welcome them. Hello. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it was kind of good that you got comfy there, because um, <clears throat> obviously this is couples therapy. And um, I do have my notebook here. And um, are there any, any issues that you wanted to share with your counselor? Yeah, too many to tell. Let's start. Yeah, let's start. Where do you start? Uh, I mean, speaking of starts, um, <clears throat> there might be an outbreak of joy in the next two hours, because our dear friend Wolf... Um, is actually gone in labor, or rather his baby mama, at three this morning. And we somehow made a bet this morning that it, the baby's actually going to pop out while we're sitting here. So um, if you see us checking the phones now and then... Pop out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah that's going to be one giant, that's for sure. But um, so don't take it as rudeness. That's the only time mobile phones are allowed here. And we might have to bring, you know, get like a song of joy at some stage, so um, make sure you prepare one in um, your native language. Um, yeah, but speaking of couples, I never knew how you actually met, you two. At school. Primary school. In the 80s. Yeah, it's true. In the dark 80s. Were you wearing like blue shirts East and stuff? East Germany. Communism. Dusty air. East side. <laughs> ah. Because there's one thing you have to understand, like, I mean, you're 75, right? You're 78? Yeah. Yeah. Born. So, born. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess that as well. Well, I was born in 74 as well. When <clears throat> the year we lost against another nation and doing a football World Cup and still <laughs> won. And, um, yeah, there's the... For football was forbidden in the GDR. 
Well, can we therefore erase that game from the records then? Yes. <laughs> okay, done. Hooray. No, but what you got to realize is that people our age were actually raised to hate each other. Like, you know, you see the wall here? Am I actually sitting? No, I'm sitting east. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we West is over there. We switch sides now. Yeah, it's like, hmm, it's complicated, yes. No, but um, obviously everyone that went to the east during those days was just like coming back with all these stories. What were the stories that you heard about the other side? They didn't, they didn't tell us, you know, they're still afraid to talk with us very, um, yeah. In a I think they were isolated when they came over. They were, there was no contact. No? It wasn't possible. They, they still hate us, you know. Yeah. Who's they now, just so that we get the hate right? I know one story a friend of mine told me, his name is Rashad. He works for Dublates and Mastering in Berlin. And he's cutting a lot of records. And he came before the wall came down to Berlin because he just wanted to be different and he's, he was maybe the only person who wanted to from the west side who wanted to live in the east side and he uh, might know the east German history better than me because I was I was a child I didn't have an idea anyway about what was happening so it was it was it was a crazy time because everybody was very confused so my parents, the people around us, the teachers, the bus drivers, the police, everybody was very confused because everything was new, everything changed. And I'm, I was just a little boy in the middle and I'm, I know exactly the day when the wall came down just because of I was um, in the church to get my piano lessons. So I needed to go to two times a week to the church, to the cantor, we say, that's the guy who's playing the organ in the church. And he teached all the kids uh, piano lessons. And um, I was, I hated it to go there, so, but I needed to. My parents forced me since I was six to play piano and I never liked it. That's why I made techno now or electronic <laughs> music. And um, I remember the day when I was there and I, I needed to learn or prepare something, and but I didn't, and I was there, and, and the phone was ringing, and he picked up the phone, and he said just, yes, yes, no, yes. Then he was hanging up, and then he left the room and never came back. And I didn't know what's going to happen, so I was waiting for 20 minutes, 40 minutes, one hour. After one and a half hours, I left, because I, was, I, I just thought he's, he went out and taking a piss or I don't know what. And then I went home and my parents told me, yeah, the wall, the wall is gone. And my piano teacher never came back. So I was just happy that I don't needed to go to the piano lessons anymore. <laughs> so I was just, okay, cool, the wall is done. And yeah, I'm free now. <laughs> I don't need to go to the church and learn. So basically that was like a very personal freedom that you won that day. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Uh, Gorbachev. Oh. Yeah, right. that was his name yeah. so what did you actually speculate about like what do you think happened to your piano teacher I have no idea I just asked my parents recently if they know what's going to happen with this guy but I think he was just happy because all the people who uh, <coughs> were involved in uh, Christian movements they had massive problems with the communistic governments and they just wanted to leave the ground and just I think he tried since ages to left the country and yeah. 
he was a nice guy, but I hated him. <laughs> yeah, welcome to life, yeah. <laughs> hmm, so what was your experience of that? I was in bed. It was a Thursday. <laughs> November the 9th. Thursday evening and I was in bed. And, uh, my mother came into my room and she said, Sebastian, the war is done. We are free. We are free. We are free. Should I go tomorrow to school? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I went to school, but 30% or 40% the class was missing. That's my story. <laughs> One day later, we went to West Berlin. First to the time. homies. And well, yeah, we went shopping for shopping. Records, clothes, collar jackets, Coca-Cola. <gasps> Turntables. <gasps> Turntables. What did you spend your 100 Deutschmark Begrüßungsgeld on? You know what? <laughs> He's an asshole. <laughs> Um, the first thing, you know, the, the, when, when the wall came down, the government decided to give every member from the ex-GDR a welcome present. And this welcome present were like were 100 Deutschmark. Yeah. And um, so every um, yeah, bank was uh, packed with East German people with this little paper in their hands and they were waiting for their first 100 Deutschmarks. So Western money, real money, yeah. 30 pounds. The good money. Yeah, everybody took this 100 marks and Chari, he's an asshole. He found after he got this 100 marks, 100 marks on the ground. So he got 200. <laughs> so I think he's the only one who found 100 marks because some idiot lost his first present, you know, like, I mean... So I mean, it doesn't sound like much now. I mean, sixty quid, but still, like, what would have? How long would your parents have had to work for that? One hundred marks. Oh. I think. What am I? A month. A month. Oh. Yeah. So it was one. Eins zu hundert. Nee, eins zu tausend. Eins zu tausend. I don't know. Two years. They need to work two years. I think on the black market, it it was a horrible changing course. It was one two. 10 and yeah. And he bought, an, he bought a ghetto blaster. I think our generation, everybody bought a ghetto blaster. It was the first thing we bought. Went straight to the store and bought a ghetto blaster. I th do you still have it? No. No? You sold it for drugs. I sold it. Five years later. <laughs> Four years ago. <laughs> When you got a proper member of the Western community, <laughs> you, you sold it for weed. Well, I mean... <coughs> uh, for Red Bull. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> knowing what... Um, Hold on a second. This is our ad break, yeah. <sighs> um, <clears throat> well, knowing how much ghetto plaster you would get for 100 Deutschmarks, because that, that's about everything that you could save up for with like a, a summer full of paper tours and scrubbing the street and whatever a young kid does to make money. Hmm. Like... Um, That wasn't much of a party if you used that in a party afterwards, right? We didn't use that for party. We just wanted to have it. And uh, then? <laughs> only for have it. Looking at, looking at it. And when did you actually master that thought of like, oh my gosh, it does play music as well? The thing is, the only way to discover electronic music was via the radio. There were a few really nice radio shows in the late 90s. 
uh, late 80s on, in West Berlin. So we uh, were able to listen to these um, shows. We recorded a lot of these shows on tape. On and Ghetto Blaster. I think, I think my mom is calling me. No, um, and I think I still have some of these shows. So it was uh, the only way to get into electronic music, or music in generally, because you couldn't buy any uh, records, you know, when, um, for example, uh, Pink Floyd released uh, Dark Side of the Moon. When was it released? Eight million years ago. Yeah. Uh, eight million years ago, and then a GDI, you just got it um, 12 million years later, you know. So, <laughs> so um, there was no new music, and yeah, we, we still recorded the music from the radio shows, and um, yeah, I still have a few nice tapes from the old days, like Marusha, you know, Grandmaster Flash. I guess that's what um, the then Chancellor Helmut Kohl called the uh, the mercy of the late birth. But for the people who don't know about Marusha, um, can you give us a little bit of an introduction of the significance of that person? Does anybody know Marusha? No? One. History um, is just. Two? <laughs> I'm getting old. Marusha was the, the Marianne Hobbs of Germany for techno. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> but you know she didn't. She didn't play dubstep at all. But um, <laughs> she played break. It was. It was in the end. It was she more like hardcore. Hardcore, and in the end, it was more like Mickey Mouse techno or whatever. Like, but in the early '90s, she had. Uh, she, uh, she played a really good radio show called Rave Satellite. It was every Saturday, and she invited all the DJs always. And it was a really important show. And before her, it was Monica Diedel. She was uh, a very. She was. Uh, she had uh, a very nice voice. A girl from Bavarian, the very erotic voice on the radio. <laughs> I had no picture how he, how he looks like. And he was masturbating. Was masturbating. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. I mean, it's something else people would not understand. Obviously, because of the wall and not being able to get over it, a voice from Bavaria is about as exotic as. Like a Japanese geisha then, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's think about it. <laughs> Can I take a picture? Yeah, and then everything went really fast. So we... Uh, yeah. Before it goes yeah, okay. yeah, before it goes fast, I mean, the yeah. one thing that's probably really hard to understand, now you just plug it in and like everything you possibly want is there within whatever, however long that is. And the mere fact that you not only could not go to a shop, but like the um, availability was a totally different thing and a totally different way of how to discover pop culture, electronic music, however you want to call it. Yeah, I'm too young to to describe that because I just got into music after the wall mm. and um, my musical socialization something like that. Yeah, something like that. Uh, was different than to the other kids uh, around the world and it's just because I'm I grew up in Berlin. I that's my theory. And um, when I didn't grow up with Nirvana or with all these 
music, you know. So my first, my first, the, the first track who really touched my heart was a Derek May track. It was a remix of Sueno Latino. And, and it was, I think, in 91 or 92. And um, that was the first music who really blew me away. I didn't know, I, I was just saying, what, what, what's going on? What's that? What's that? I don't know what it is. I don't get it. That's, that's too amazing. And yeah, since then, I was just interested in this black discs and turntables and bass. And what were, was the place where you would go and to Could get it? Again? What was the place to where you would go to get these black discs? Hardwax. Hmm. Hardwax record store. It's a pretty yeah, it's the it's the record store in Germany. Or maybe in Europe. I mean UK is not Europe, okay. But yeah, I went to this um store the first time i mean shari discovered as he bought he he started yeah. buying records very early i think i think it was short after the war came out we went to west berlin and uh yeah we visited the shop and, and they found it in 1998 and, and there were the first in berlin they they imported um us us records techno house records and uh yeah that that was the address for us and um yeah a very small store like this room with uh, 5,000 records. Yeah, and um, that's a story. <laughs> and I, I, went, I went there in very, I don't know, very early, I don't remember, like 93 91. or something, and I asked for Jungle, because that was a new thing, I didn't know what, what it is, I was just into your underground resistance before, and then like techno stuff, the mover, hard, hard, core stuff you know and then i heard rumors about this new thing jungle and i went to the store and i asked for do you do you have jungle records it was the first time and pete he still works there he said son i give you jungle records <laughs> <laughs> and he gave me a bunch of records and um i still i still have them one of them was an apex record and Yeah, since then I, I just brought these records home and I played them till death every day. Like I woke up in the morning and I played them. Then I need to go to school and I come back and I played them. And I was just like listening and listening to it again. And I saved all my money and to went to the store. And it took me one and a half hour to get there. And I sometimes I had just 10 marks or something that, that means one record. So I... I was three. I spent three hours a day to go there and buy one record, and um, yeah, that's that was a hard life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was. Really, I mean, really hard. Hard works actually was also great because the guy that took care of the mail orders for people who lived far in the west like us, and who were and do you know the the I think the the. Wie sagt man auf Deutsch? Die Art und Weise. The system of the, of the mail order was like, somebody called in the shop and then, okay, you have this record? And then they played with the telephone in the air. You yeah, there was no email. No uh, email. No fax was fax. even the hot shit at the moment. Yeah. And the monthly paper with all the 12 inches yeah. and mm -hmm. records, T-shirts. Yeah. 
Yeah, but what I loved most about it was this guy, I think Charles was his name? No, James. Oh, James. James, who had like a really, the poor guy had a horrible stutter mm. and they made him do the mail order. And he was British, was he? Yeah. He was British. I think so, yeah. yeah he, he didn't speak any German. Yeah. And remember, remember Eastern German 15 <laughs> years old boy calling to, at Hardwax to buy uh, the new Jeff Mills record and then you had James. On the on the other side, and James was a strange person. He was always talking like this, like, um, uh, 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 yeah, the uh, the, the new Jeff Mills. Uh, that was uh, way too fast. Uh, uh, hold on a second. Uh, hello. <laughs> and it was like this. So, but it was it was I don't know. It was like part of the charm of the whole store. I love the store. I still love it. I mean, the great thing with him was also because, again, phones were really expensive. And, yeah. I mean, we're really boring you with stories from the trenches here, right? But, um, I mean, to call Berlin from, like, somewhere in West Germany would just, like, a minute was, would cost a fortune. So, in the end, the record would cost, I guess, about three times that was it cost <laughs> just because you, the phone conversation was mm. so long. And then there was always this excitement when you went to the mailbox of, like, Phone bill or records? What comes first? <laughs> like, and then, um, yeah, you had to find out that there's no use in like hiding the phone bill or burning it or something like that. It all comes back in the end. Yeah, and one day I replaced James. He left, and they asked me to work there because I was every day there. And then they said, hey, pff, "Why do you, why you should you should work here?" So then, and after this point, everything was getting faster and faster. With Gernot. That was the time when we lived together. We were roommates, and I had a. I, I mean, they paid good money, but the problem was I didn't got any money on the end of the month because I spent all the money. You had a habit. Records. I bought everything like stupid shit. You know, like, I just wanted to have it. You know? Every evening, Gernot was came. Uh, was coming back at home, and then she had. He had a big, she. She. She had a big package of records. Yes. 20, 30. That's better than food, right? Yeah. <laughs> What did you do all day while he was providing you with records? Chilling. Chilling. Huh. Unemployed. Unemployed, chilling. Sitting on a window, Drink, drinking coffee. Drinking coffee. Waiting for Gernot. He's still doing the same. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yeah. But now I'm waiting for him always. Oh, why is that? Because I'm, I don't know, <clears throat> that's part of my mode selector job, waiting for Shari on the airports, for example. But that's okay. No, it's not okay. <laughs> so, okay, Shari, let's check in now. Hey, wait, I just want to smoke a cigarette. Hmm, okay, let's smoke a cigarette. Okay, I just need to buy a coffee. Okay, I'll buy a coffee. Uh, shit, where's my money? Uh, can you borrow my money? Uh, wait, oh, no, no, we need to go to the cash, to cash machine. Okay, yeah, cash machine. And always waiting. He has, you know, I think he lives longer because he's very slow. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm so fast, so we are totally different. You know, as you recognize already, I'm talking, I'm the talking guy. And he's more the... The listening guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hmm, so how do you ever get anything done then? I don't know. That's, that, that's the other difference we have. He is synest a synesthetic hmm. phenomena. He can remember everything, you know, like when you, when when he said it was on a Tuesday, then it was a Tuesday. I'm sure we can check 
on the internet. It was Tuesday. He remembers the shittiest, smallest things, but he forgot the music to bring this morning. I remember, really, I remember things which are 10 years ago happened. Yeah, but when you ask him, ask him what time it is and he tells last you... Last weekend, I don't know. Yeah. You, when you ask him what time it is and he said it's three, three o'clock now, then you wait 10 seconds. Mm -hmm. What time is it? <sighs> he needs to watch, look again. The watch. That's oh. my problem. Oh, that's his problem. He's handicapped. Uh, which brings us back to the couples therapy, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so you are the uh, mentor yeah. or the, the. I'll be your shrink here. Yeah. Okay, nice. So, um, um, Gernot, how does question. it make you feel when... First, you should tell the story you told us this morning again <laughs> for everybody. <coughs> Which one exactly? The one who your mother likes that much to uh, tell. That one, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's an that's absolutely lovely one. But, um, yeah, we'll do that later. Oh, we'll do that later, okay. Yeah. We have time. We have time. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> so, um, how does it make you feel when you have to wait for Charlie? It's a process. <laughs> so you, when you when you ask me how how I felt two years ago, I, I you know I needed to ha I needed to learn to handle that problem. Mm -hmm. Last year I bought a book. That's very good, Garnot. Uh, no, it was a sketchbook, mm -hmm. and the sketchbook was there to write down every minute I'm waiting for him. After two weeks, it was full. Mm -hmm. Who of my colleagues actually prescribed that? Excuse me? Welcher meiner Kollegen hat das verschrieben? Was? <laughs> He's like Shari. <laughs> But I remember that sketchbook was a gift from me to yeah. Gernot. It was yellow. I think <laughs> that was yellow. No, I think after, after the year, it, it, I was waiting two days, like... I just wrote down 30 minutes on Tuesday, 15 minutes on Wednesday, and so on. And I, th I think it was in total two days waiting for Shari. And That's not a bad quota. Come on, there's 365 days a year. It's like yeah, but you know, when you, when you are on tour, you need to wait for other things as well. You need to wait for planes, you need to wait for drivers, you need to wait for soundcheck, you need to wait for soundcheck. That's addition. That's a very addition. And in the end, you have 150 have days for waiting per year. No, not. But yeah. I would. I would yeah. say two weeks. <laughs> And that's that, that. That's not nice. That's like being a supermodel. Mm. Yeah, that's mm. nice. <laughs> well, just try to think of it that way. Yeah. Maybe. Wow. I like that idea. Geisha. <laughs> Now, what would your wife say about that? About what? About you being supermodels? I don't know. I don't know. Good question. You should ask her. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> but I mean, obviously, you both do lead a family life. Now, with all that waiting, how do you run a family? Especially when you're on tour all the time. I don't know. Now we have a tour manager, hmm. and she is uh, she. taking care of us. She. It's she. a she. We respect just cheese. As a girls, and she is she's she she is uh, doing our booking since the beginning, and um, after a while we fucked so so many things up. We lost always the flights and uh, took the wrong trains, 
And then um, the booking agency decided to yeah, hire a babysitter for us. And yeah, since then we have a tight schedule. So um, I mean, having a family, a little baby or now a kid at home is not easy when you are on tour. And that means for you as the man, as, as for, it means for me that we that we pay the, the biggest bill and that means that we don't sleep that much. So we take always the last plane we can get to the gig and take the first plane back home. That means we arrive very late, Jack knows that, and then we leave very early. That means um, totally wasted to the airport. No sleep. No sleep. I remember one one time we played on a festival in France together with T. Raumschmiere, and we had a very, uh, yeah, we drank a lot. And then we went together with him to the airport, and they wouldn't, they, the, the, the ground stuff don't wanted to let us in because we were smelling so much. And they said, no, we are not drinking anymore. We stopped drinking two hours ago. And they and Tiraumschwiere was just wearing sunglasses like this little passport. And they don't wanted to let us in, so to say. And that was just because we took the first plane. And Tiraumschwiere has a little baby, two little babies at home, and he, he he's doing the same thing. So latest plane, first plane. Is there actual kindergartens and primary schools in Berlin for like techno producers? Yeah, it's a, it's a good idea. We should do that. Opens very late. Very late. At two, four. <laughs> Opening Closes on, at on, one on Tuesday. <laughs> Skipping Monday. Yeah. Well, maybe the little Ricardo is coming. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> little mode selector. Hello. <laughs> Black painted walls. <laughs> <laughs> Strobe light. I can see a theme there, yeah. Little, a very little customized function one system, you know. Like. <laughs> yeah, with Rolf Zukowski on it, yeah. Rolf Zukowski and the new Shackleton. I mean, <laughs> you know, our kids, they grow up with our music. So, with in, beats. With beats. They really live, lo uh, love beats uh, and bass drums. Bass drums. They love bass drums. Yeah. So does that make the whole production process easier? Which production process? Process production pr producing babies or? <laughs> 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 well, uh, that's one. It's kind of harder here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm, in now it changed. That changed our rhythm totally because. We we used to work by night always, so we just woke up at four usually. Then we started drinking at six, and then we went at eight in the studio, and we got out of the studio at seven in the morning. And since since the last two records, we are not able to do that anymore. So we we, we, we have a we have a day job, studio day job, like normal boring workers. You go to work at ten. We have this card, ching, we get coffee, it's make almost a lunch break. Yeah, that's almost like an old socialist idea, like every artist works in the same way as everyone yeah. in the factories. Yeah. yeah. Good. It took a while to find that. Yeah. Hmm. 
Do you find your health has improved? Mm. I'm tired. I'm just tired always. I, mm. I never... Jet-lagged. I, I feel always like jet-lagged. Mm. I hope it stops soon, but maybe in 10 years or so. I don't know. I feel always pretty tired. It's just because I never get enough sleep. Never. Too much traveling. Too much children. Traveling. Waiting for Shari. It's getting really sad here. And um, on this note, maybe we should go back to the production process. Yes. But this ah, time maybe... I see, yeah. He's but prepared. But maybe we leave the babies aside for a second and okay. rather talk about the music then. Music. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> what is it that you set up over there? Is this only for like life circumstances or would you use something similar when you are in the studio? No, this is just a live set. And that's a surprise today because... He forgot the records. I forgot the records. Yeah, we wanted to play you some of our music and um, records, black discs. You know this? Yes. No? That's why we wanted to bring them, you know? No, and uh, yeah, we uh, forgot them, and then we asked for a cab driver who's bringing the records from my house to the airport, but it was already too late, so we sent them back halfway. He was already almost on the airport, but I needed to check in, so I called him and said, okay, please go back. You will get your money there. So we didn't have any records, and then we were thinking, let's, That's a buy, great idea. <laughs> let's buy our records on iTunes <laughs> to play them here because he, we don't have the music on the computer, but we have our live set here so we can play all the tracks live. That's the only way we can play it. So, and That's when, a word when we play some music here, we, we, we need to perform them live. Yeah, Thank so. you. That's no fake. That's true. Should we probably get into this straight away and leave a bit of the talk talk for a minute yeah <clears throat> so what 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 should we play are you taking requests like a wedding dj <laughs> <laughs> okay the first the first request is the one is there, 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 let's let's make it easier one for girls or one for boys girls girls shit <laughs> That was, okay, for girls. Which one? I have um, an option, but it, I think it's too early. I think we, sh which one, it's too early? Yeah. Uh, no, I think we play one of the tracks we did with our friend Apparat together from the Motorrad project. Motorrad? Motorrad. Uh, the song is called A New Error. And we can play it with visuals. Maybe it's a bad idea. And then we, after we play some stuff. Hey there, at this point in the lecture, they played some music. Unfortunately, due to copyright reasons, we can't play that here. Yeah, I'm bummed too. Anyway, uh, enough from me. Let's go back to couch wisdom. Thank you. This is um, the project we have with Sascha Ring together. His artist name is Apparat and the band is called Moderat. Mode selector, apparat. Uh, uh, uh. And um, the idea of this project is uh, an audiovisual um, idea. So we, uh, we, Shari and me, as mode selector, we work 
with an artist collective from Berlin together since the beginning called Deep Pfadfinderei. They are a pretty famous VJ crew and graphic design agency. And yeah, they are in charge for our artwork and um, yeah, CI, corporate identity, whatever you can call it. And the uh, live video show. Yeah, and they come with us for the live shows, yeah. usually. And yeah, when we uh, decided to make this uh, moderate thing happen, we just added them to the bill and made an audiovisual record. And yeah, this was one of the tracks with some clip made by them. But if they are that much of a big part of the whole show, like why is it not Moderatfinderei in the end? Yeah, that's a good question. That's always the question the Fadfinderei is asking me. Oh. <laughs> no, I mean, we, 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 we put it the focus on the music first. And the Moderat project was, it's already existing since... 2003. When exactly? What day? No, it was in 2002 during the uh, soccer championship in Japan. And then we, we played with Apparat uh, some shows, yeah. some synchronized shows yeah, with our very amazing equipment, three laptops, three boys. <laughs> then we uh, tried to find a name and then uh, we found... Moderat. Wow. Moderat was we, we the first thing which was existing was Moderat and that was the one of the main reasons why we continued because we really liked the name Apparat Mode Selector Moderat and yeah plus Fahrtfinderei. Well, and but to some extent, what's great about the project is that it somehow rather accentuates things that are interesting in your separate work, and it's almost like like that brings it out a little more. And I mean, it's almost like it's like euphoric music for manic depressive people. You think so? Well, it's not manic depressive. It's more the um, it's more the 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 mood or the mood. It's it's the mood we we like um, when we are in Berlin. So this is well, yeah. <laughs> in, you know, I mean, Berlin is is pretty depressive when you live there, when you grow up there, and it's. For, 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 I mean, now it's full of people from all over the world who are so excited always, but they are there usually for one or two years and then they leave back home. So, and, but we, um, we grew up there and we, we, we see the, we saw the big changes and we still see the big changes and it's, uh, it's, it's not a nice town, so it's not beautiful, not at all. I mean, it got destroyed 90%. And, um, in the in the in the world war and um, uh, yeah, I mean this record is is it's a little homage on this town because we wanted to show the world that Berlin is not minimal techno and having a party for three days you know it's not it's not the reality I mean you know this is <coughs> Berlin Berlin was I since 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 the wall it's it's a rave town so it's all about techno and electronic music what do you reckon is the percentage of people that actually grew up in berlin out of the ones that are actively doing music not everyone that claims to be a dj there but like actually actively doing something and getting gigs with more than 20 people i don't know any ideas 
Like, okay, oh, but how many people that you went to school with ended up in like music Nobody. art or whatever scenarios? Just me and Charlie. And me, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 one, of the funny, uh, one of the funny things is that normal people now, you know, they, they have families like us, but they are, we are not normal. Journey yeah, to get I mean, out. you know, yeah. they have a house and dogs. A garage, a car. Garage, two cars and all that shit. But they know Jeff Mills, you know. <laughs> and that's maybe some of the effects from Berlin. Or which, was, yeah. I mean, as a visitor, it almost seems a bit like it's um, New York in the 19th century condensed in like five or ten years. Like you always have these waves and in the same way as you had like the Irish there and the Italians and the Germans and the Polish coming into New York. It's like, okay, first of all, everyone from Schwaben comes there, then like all the other counties of West Germany. Then like then New York. New York came yeah. in 2003, 2004. Was full of New York guys. That yeah, that's that's where we met all our friends from New York. They they are all back in in, in New York. They they just spent two, two years. or three years. Like met Shaytech from Shaytech, or I don't know, who else, like Fantastic Nobodies. Like we have a few friends we met in Berlin. They're from New York, so it was like. Full of New York guys. Yeah. Then all the Latin Americans and Spanish came. Yeah, but they come just for for the weekend. Oh. <laughs> they we call them EasyJet ravers. Mm. They just or they arrive on Friday, then they go straight to Berghain, mm -hmm. and then they leave on Monday morning, almost dead. That's why <laughs> that why that's why we have so many uh, wheelchairs on the airport <laughs> on Mondays. Because some of them cannot, they 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 cannot walk anymore. <laughs> it's over. It's so sad. It's so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean the first the the, the the first, you know, I I think I was 14 or something or 15 years old, and I went every Wednesday to Tresor Club. Which is closed now. I mean, it's it's open, but it's different. It's different location. It's That's not, not real anymore. No, it's not run by the same people. And anyway, and I went there every Wednesday because it, the entrance was just five marks, and I was able to afford it. Who was playing there on Wednesdays? I was. Uh, it was um, called Headquarters. It was like new faces and some residents. So Tanit, DJ Tanit, was playing always. And but from time to time, uh, you had the luck to see uh, like resistance. We saw uh, Matt Mike with a hockey mask and Jeff Mills on a 909 and Rob Hood playing. And I I didn't know who what what's going on. So I was just like that was rap rapping. Matt Mike was rapping, and so Mr. Underground Resistance with a hockey mask and Rob Hood with a 909 and Jeff Mills. And I was like, oh oh. What's that? You know, and it was on a Wednesday. So then next day I went to school. You know, I said, like, "Oh, and how was it yesterday? Oh, it was nice." <laughs> so, I mean, things like this are not possible anymore. Were you still part of the in the same school? Uh, oh no, you years apart. So, but were you on the same school? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> but different classes. Oh. I was a little. I was a little shitty guy, you know, and oh. he was the. Big dog in an empty class. 
Still. Still empty. He was alone. Did you have any other rave buddies from school? I have one who lives in New York now. And he used to live in London, so he followed always the music. And he used to live in London, now he lives in New York. And yeah, he's still he's still on a ball, so he knows everything. So he's like, eh, have you checked out this new UK funky guy? Ah. <laughs> Do you like UK Funky? Yeah, I like UK Funky. Hey, do you know this Aqua Step guy from West Brighton? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or this, I don't know, this, uh, what's, that, what's that music called from, from, from Argentina? Um, yeah, Cumbia. Cumbia. Then... But you have, cumbia you have ten awesome. different styles of cumbia in Cum that electronic part of the very big. It's like a tree, no? you know. You have the cumbia tree, and then you have a cumbia step tree. Step, cumbia sub low step, gangster, funky. gangster, <laughs> high speed country ambient tree. Uh, whatever. And yeah. when did you actually stop working in a record shop? Then my problem was I had the Monday, so. <laughs> Uh, that was one of the main reasons why I needed to stop because we 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 played we started playing the weekends and then it was the Monday is the bad day so when you play Friday Saturday and Sunday typical Sunday thing like But was was somebody there on Monday uh, yeah, mean, yeah yeah customers yeah 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 and yeah I couldn't change the date. And yeah, then it was time to say goodbye. And Marcel Detman replaced me, so I needed to work him in. Oh, is that is that right to say work him in? It sounds really nice. Yeah, yeah work him in <laughs> because with me is not good cherry eating. Anyway, <laughs> no, um, no. Marcel Marcel came after me, and yeah, he got the Monday, and I said, <laughs> yeah. And, and now he got the Tuesday. No, no, he he's he's not in a store anymore. He is in a he's or he's uh, he's um, in the distribution and he's ordering the techno stuff, the euro stuff, and US. So he's in charge for. Is there anyone working there that did not go on to make records? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Manne, Micha, Michael. He has his. He's one of the. Very, very long members. He's the only one. He's the only friendly guy in the store. <laughs> you recognize him, he has glasses. Oh, they are all friendly, but you need your time to break the barriers, you know. They check every every new face, they check up like, oh, what do you want? So when you go at Hardwax and you ask for, do you have some pumping stuff, then you can go. Just... <laughs> Turn around and go, so you will never. They will never serve you properly. So you just need to read a book about Detroit music and dubstep before, and then go. <laughs> and you need to drop some skills. You know, you need to show what's going on. But what are like the ten best things to stop, like a dubstep or Detroit techno imposter? Someone who would just have read the book but not know what they're talking about. I mean, there must be a very delicate hard way, hard wax way of finding out, like. Do you know, or are you just pretending? Mm, no, I think the Hardwax, the Hardwax communication is a very special way of communication. It's um, 
it depends on who's working, you know. I mean, you know, when you have the luck, when you have the luck, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just, no, um, I don't know, I had, I had a few situations, so I think they asked me to work in the store to bring some freshness again, you know, because they, you have, for example, Pete, aka Substance, he's working there since a long, long time, and he's specialized in one very special yeah, type of music. Then you have other artists like René, he was Vancouver. Um, I don't know if you know this, but um, yeah, every uh, one who's working there is specialized in one thing. And so you have Marcel and Chet for the techno stuff, and then Sleep Archive is even working, is working at Hardwax as well at the moment. He's, yeah, and um, it's, a, it's a family thing. It's pretty weird family thing there going on. And you have Mana. And Mana. Mana. Mana is the good guy. No, ask for Mana next time <laughs> you go to Berlin. Go to Hardwax. We force him. We force him since years to make a record. We want to. We want to found a label just for him called Mana. Mana O One. Mana Records. Mana Mana O O One. We are waiting for the record. Let it rain mana from him from heavens. <laughs> Not mana, mana. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's just his nickname. Yeah. How do you Telephone. now now with all this traveling and stuff? Um, obviously, when you're in the store at least once a week, it's relatively easy to keep up with what's going on. How do you <clears throat> manage that? Because you seem to be pr relatively well informed on what's going on. Um, it's uh, there. There are two different different um, that sites so you have the internet thing so i get a lot of postings every day and links and new stuff and then of which you listen to like how many percent i i try to check everything so it's right. I, i mean i know exactly when, when i get uh the new powerhouse promo from dj nobody then uh, i don't listen to it but uh, i now i have a really good work, well-working system from people all over the world. Jack is one of them, for example. He's sending me the third time the same link. He didn't recognize it always. Like, hey, a new record. Totally amazing. I know it. Since <laughs> No, and um, when I, at Hardwax, we have our own little um, folder where they're putting stuff we like. So... I have one guy at the store who is uh, who totally knows what I like and what I'm interested in or what could I like. And then he's putting me promos and all that stuff. So I go once a week there and take my records and check them. Do you find <clears throat> that old school system of like someone in the store actually deciding, oh yeah, that's something he could like, that's something he could like, that's something he could like, and putting them aside works better than like these algorithms on like web stores where you, they go like oh if you bought this then you might like that of course um, because it's a different way to um, bring people into music the personal thing is very important because after a while you have a relationship with as I, I can just talk for myself but I have some uh, additional after you no, 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 
the feeling when you go in a, in a store and you have a real person with a real record who is showing you, okay, that's a record and there's a story behind and uh, there's a linking to another project and you played on a system, in, a, rec in a, a very good system in a record store, that's the best promotion you can have yeah. to buy a record. In a, for example, when you go on the internet. It's different music it's different anyway, you know, in the internet it's different. Every file is short, bad quality. Yeah. And that's not a feeling. And, you and, and I really like the idea to have a label which don't want to have any promotion, don't want to have digital sales, just, you know, just a stamp, white label, doing it for fun, for the music. And sometimes you have a record which has success. For example, last year there was a record from Hardwax, Equalized 3, and there's one of the guys who working there, he wants to be anonymous. And he's. Which one was it again? It's not Manne. <laughs> it's, it's not Manne. No. And um, yeah, this, this, this record had a really amazing success. Like the Sleep Archive phenomena, you know, Sleep Archive was there, you know. I, the, 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 the person behind Sleep Archive is producing music since ages, but he did totally different stuff under different names. So I think um, they, they have different um, yeah, synonyms. So three or four names sometimes, uh, but we are totally different. We are from we are kind of the ambassadors between the realities. You know, we are there, and on a Friday we play in Spain with Richie Cardo Villa Horton, and on the Saturday we play in on India a on a dubstep party in Kenya, and on Sunday we play uh, in Scotland in Scotland a UK funky garage house ambient country party. You know and and yeah, we, we we are everywhere, you know. I mean, for us, it's it's like fun to discover everything and to see what's gonna happen. Really, like pop and bands. So we we uh, yeah. I mean, I would die for Blondie Redhead, you know. When I I try to when 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 we play the summer and uh, the the festivals and uh, I see Blondie Redhead is playing, then I force everything from the crew to 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 just stay two hours longer that I can see them, you know. Like they're waiting in a bus, totally pissed. Gernot is still in the concert. No Finally you get your revenge and Shari is waiting for you. Yes, exactly. Yes. So we are. I, we are. Th this is. This is like. It's a good thing to be interested in everything, but it's. It has like uh, the the uh, bad side on the same moment because you have so much input the whole time. You got input from everywhere, and yeah, we. Uh, yeah. But I mean, having too much input is probably <coughs> the curse of our times, really, and that's something we all have to deal with every single day, and just making decisions on like what do we focus on and what not. And now, if you are open enough to be just tickled and interested in so many different things, yeah, but it's a question of discipline, you know. But naturally, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't have this discipline. For example, when I. Um, I get addicted very fast, very quick from from several things. Like, for example, I have a new app for my iPhone, oh, a game, something, you know, or a little synthesizer. And I'm nonstop playing with that. I'm, I don't get bored of it. I get, I, I'm getting addicted. And I need to delete this app to stop it. And That's true. Yeah. Really. 
and just I just just recently I gave all my passwords for all the accounts for MySpace, Twitter, Facebook, all this Web2 war things. I gave all these passwords away to someone who's taking care of it now because I just realized that I never read a book. I didn't read a book since three months or something and uh, I just wasted too much time in the internet. So and that scared me a little bit, you know. So I think everybody of you has this problem, <laughs> but I need to make it. I need to make cuts, you know. To I mean, that's obviously a bit of life advice there. But if you go back to the studio and the production side of it, it's really like, um, how do I actually come up with a record that sounds like me or us in that case? I don't know. Uh, the, the thing is, when you ask me how you made the Motorrad record, I don't remember. I remember th situations when, for example, Shari was sleeping behind Sasha and me for four hours and we were thinking about to paint his face black or something, you know. <laughs> But I don't remember how I made this melody or this... It's like being on a rush, you know. I just need the situation I need to get into. I need the... I need to get into the, into a flow. It doesn't matter what I use. So when we are in the studio, we use everything. So we we use software, we use hardware, we use toys. I don't know microphones, instruments, everything. And sometimes we create some sounds or melodies or beats, and then we forget to record it or to 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 save the presets or whatever, and then we. We never, we never, we never, 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 never. We had so so often. We there's one funny story. We we had uh, we set it up our st one of our studio rooms two years ago with analog equipment. So we have a lot of analog equipment, which is just lying in a corner and getting dusty. But this time we said uh, we said okay, now we make a proper MIDI studio like in the old days and everything fine and then we it took on three took us three days to set up the equipment and yeah then we were thinking about should we should we um bring the Atari back you know so we really want to make it made uh, want to have it old school and then it was running and we made sessions and then there was one we, session which was amazing and Chari we switched the light off to see all the LEDs it was like <laughs> on, it was like on the airport you see the, the runways everything was red we are both wearing UR t-shirts and <laughs> and then we made a session and we recorded the session and then we switched it off and then after two weeks we wanted to listen to the recording And Chari, we recorded it, but, but with a microphone in a room, and we that phone was ringing in the middle, and it was no quality at all, and we were just thinking, okay, bad commands, and uh, what's the word for Rülpsen? English, <laughs> barfing. He was barfing. barfing. He's the best barfer in the world, by the way. <laughs> It's the only thing he can. No, isn't it more like burping. Burping. Hast du gekotzt oder gerülpst? Barf. Ne. Kotzen Barf. ist ja puking. Anyway, okay, detail. Anyway, details. Yeah, the session was recorded on a very shitty. We still shitty have it, and it sounds it's a it's a nice session, but uh, you know, and then we tried to recreate it, but it wasn't impossible. Yeah. Oh. 
win some, lose some. Okay, so obviously you can't always recreate that when you go live, but nevertheless you have to deal with like all these punters that come there, pay good money in the meantime to come and see you and they have certain expectations. How do you make sure you can give them the experience that they want? <clears throat> As I told you, there are two different. This is the, the the live thing and the studio thing are totally different worlds. So we can you cannot bring them together. So in a, in, when when we are when we are in a studio, we don't want to have people around us. So it's like being naked, you know, or I don't know. It's like I don't feel good. For example, there we have a friend from Japan and um he's he's a really nice guy and um we had a we have a really nice friendship with him and he's interested in electronic music and gear and um it was just a couple of years ago and, and he came to our studio every day and he thought he's doing us a favor to show his respect and I was getting more and more into a I don't know, I felt I was like feeling like big brother because I was like sitting there and then Is he still there? Yeah, he's still there. Okay, okay. I don't know. He was okay. behind you. MySpace. <laughs> no, and it was. It's. I don't like this um, to have people around us. For for example, we change the rooms very often. We have. We used to have a caravan with a studio inside. Like, sounds pretty pimp, but was shit. It was smelling inside like a dead cat or something. It was not nice inside, but the sound was good, and we just wanted to have the situation that you can go everywhere you want and make music record music and have fun and how many times did you actually really use it honest a half a half time <laughs> the problem is when you are in a caravan and you say okay let's go on the lake and make a track then you you don't make music so you end up on the lake And uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was fun. So, but it was, was an experience. A, it was a <laughs> idea we had. So we wanted to record a full length record in this caravan, but no. Nah. But you had a nice sunburn. Yes. Yes. And still. See. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> now, when you say it's really personal when you are in the studio, and you can't really deal with any visitors. I mean, it's hard enough you're two already, so there's someone outside of your own brain and emotions there while you're trying to come up no, with an idea. No, we are one person in the studio. That's crazy. So we don't oh. we don't need to talk. No, that's that's it's like it's it's like being an old couple. So um, he is the technique geek, so and he needs to explain me always the things, and I'm like a <laughs> I, I don't know, but um, I have sometimes. No idea what's going on there on the computer. And then Shari's coming and says, son, come on, yeah, I explain you. Me driver. Oh. And I say, oh, okay, now I got it. And so... Cable. Ah, the cable. <laughs> Sorry. No, and that's, it's like this. So um, he, when, when, I mean, he, he got me into music production when, uh, that was long, long time ago, long time. Um, he had a little studio, home studio at home, and um, I came one day to him, and he had this Emu sampler. Was it the Emu? The Emax One. Emax One and an Atari and a Space Echo, and I came just by coincidence to him, 
I, I just I, I think I wanted to buy some weed or something. I don't remember. No? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, that's something you, every Berlin musician needs to drop. Like, I mean, it's almost like a Cedo story you now. <laughs> And it's, no. is that how you got the money for the space echo? <laughs> no, no, I was just kidding. He's a, he, he's a, he never smoked. Yes. Well, no, never no, get no, high no, on no. your old supply, hey? No, no, no. I no, tried no. sometimes. He tried sometimes <laughs> PCP or stuff like this. You know. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. No, and then anyway. he, and, and I came into his room and he had a, a, a dub loop running, so... And I was came into, and then he was. <laughs> we send it uh, through the space echo. Yeah, and there's Roland one button, the mode selector button. <laughs> and um, I think we spent four yep. or five hours just with one loop playing with the buttons on the space echo. And since then, we uh, yeah we are banned called mode selector. That's the story, by the way. It's very short and boring. Should we play a track? Yeah. <laughs> Which one? How about going live? I. We, we should, let's play the sucker pin. Thank you. Yeah, as far as live techniques go, um, yeah, laptop posing, very different, difficult discipline, right? Yeah, I mean, we are so busy always. I think we don't look like checking emails. Or <laughs> But that, that's the main concern right yeah i know but you know i don't care when we when we started as mode selector we played with real electronic instruments with drum machines we played only in germany and berlin shows we did a little berlin tour because it was impossible to carry all that stuff and one time we played in a uh, in berlin you have a little island on a river spree there's a club it's called insel der jugend island of youth And uh, we put all the gear with the Handwagen. Bollerwagen. Bollerwagen, you know what it is? <laughs> It's like one of these carry-along, <laughs> how do you call them, milk crate uh, things. Yeah, yeah. 19th yeah. century. Over the bridge to, to the island. It was, yeah. was looking funny. Yeah, it was all this. Yeah, the glamorous life of being a techno life act. Yeah. yeah. Now, um, <clears throat> yeah, but still about the whole being live thing. It's um, how much of that is actually planned? Especially, I was wondering that, especially with um, the moderat shows, because you have the feeling like, I mean, most of the tracks stop when Carl Craig would start introducing <laughs> the baseline. Uh, you're talking you know, about moderato, yeah? Really? I mean, you know, there's the build up, the build up, the build up, and then in the right. Oh. What happened? That's the way. That's the moderate way. I I have no idea. I mean, when we when we when we play with uh, just two, with we both selector. as mode selector, then there's not really a big plan behind. So we have we we are talking about which tracks we want to play in and which order, but we change it anyway. And when we play with moderate, we need to uh, follow uh, the track listing. So uh, because we have a pretty massive um, visual setup going on on stage and the VJ who is um, playing the clips, the moderate clips, uh, clips live um, he needs to yeah, at least know which hard drive to use or no, whatever. No, it's all 
<laughs> no, yeah. I mean, it's it's like playing in a band, but one we don't have a bass player, we have a VJ, and then we need to hold eye contact on special special songs. Like, okay, now there's, for example, one song called Le Grand Marche with Moderat, and there's a concrete block in the middle which is exploding in one special moment, and he needs to play it live <laughs> and. Um, they are always so nervous because of this song. They're just like this <laughs> because they are so they are not they are not musicians. They are so into their visual thing, and I mean, I told them always, you just need to count, just count the fucking song, and then you know what's gonna happen. <laughs> and he's also, and then I need to do this now. <laughs> Well, I guess this would be the official end for everything involving a mic. So please get up and thank the boys. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, this is Todd Burns again. Thanks for listening to Couch Wisdom. Before you go, I just wanted to take a moment to tell you a bit about the Red Bull Music Academy. The whole thing is a world-traveling series of music workshops and events. If you want to find out more, check us out at redbullmusicacademy.com. Also, if you liked what you heard on this podcast and you're not already subscribed, please go for it and consider rating us while you're at it. It really helps other people discover the podcast. Finally, there's a whole other world of great music programming like this to check out at redbullradio.com. Okay, enough URLs for now. Thanks for listening. <laughs>